Oh, hello. Sorry, I'm running a bit late. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's your fault. <laughs> so, um, the gathering has called me to be here. It is always, yes. Pew and Bear gets it. See, he's Polish, so he knows it's always his fault. I went to SG just briefly and I see Kurgan's status change. Going live now and it's all your fault. Took it personally as always. <laughs> it is. I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, right, well, there's quite a few of you already in here. That's good. More than the Apostles. So, um, this is actually a point of Catholic theology, which doesn't get talked about. And uh, you're going to be filing this one under 3D thinking. The gammas are going to freak out because they're going to say that it's uh, it's all hypocrisy. So are the Protestants, you know, so are all the other heretics. However, what I mean by it's always your fault, um, I was pretty much raised that way, uh, which I caught on at a pretty early age. By my early teens, I'd figured out that although a lot of people would think my, my dad's way of doing things was very harsh or whatever, and it was, you know, quite often probably unfair and, and wrong and what have you. So I'm not denying that aspect of it. But overall, the concept, if you live with the idea that whatever goes wrong in your life, whatever doesn't quite work out, it's you, right? Stop blaming everybody else. Now, for those of you who have a very fragile ego, can't accept responsibility for anything that goes wrong in your life. Say like if your name is Owen Benjamin or one of these other people, then, you know, I don't know, you might want to switch the stream off because your self-esteem may be impacted. And those kind of weak-ass people I don't want anywhere near me anyways. The point of it's always your fault doesn't necessarily mean it is technically by legal principle or whatever actually your fault. What it means is it's a results-based way of thinking. It's an effect-based way of thinking. So, you know, and it's taken, you know, my wife and I quite a while to uh, coordinate this kind of thing. Um, and, you know, kids or whatever, they, they were like, you know, do this, clean your room or whatever. Oh, I couldn't because I don't care. Oh, but I couldn't open the tap because there's a beat. I don't care. Not my problem. Is your room clean? Oh, but my dog died. And? So what? It's a results-based way of thinking. Now, you think, oh, but that's kind of harsh and that's unfair. Yeah. Guess what? Life's harsh. Life's unfair. So if you get trained to think that whatever goes wrong in your life, so you get the platform for a bunch of places. Well, whose fault is it? Yours. What are you going to do about it? Is that it? You give up? You know, <laughs> there's the difference between results-oriented and, oh, but, you know, I have this excuse. And I think we are moving into territory where your excuses are, uh, are not going to save you. So, you know, again, when the Nazi stops you and you don't have your papers, what are you going to do? Just calmly walk into the cattle train 
fight back. Make sure you have the papers. Make sure you have some good enough papers. You know, it's up to you. You gotta hit that. Now, yes, and Pewen Bear makes a very valid point, which I was gonna get to, but he he uh, he got there before I got it. You know, the whole point of like um, atheists and Jews. Let's not forget the Jews like to make fun of the Catholic guilt. Oh, mea culpa, mea culpa. Oh, you guys always just whipping yourselves. And that is, again, like the, you guys worship Mary. It's the Protestant slash Pharisee way of trying to, inf you know, put a wedge between the badly Catholicized nominal Catholic slash churchin and reality. The fact is that mea culpa is a very good way of thinking. And in every Mass, that's what you do. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. It's my fault, my fault, my maximum fault. Why? Because it is. You are the one that's sinning. You are the one that's doing whatever. Now you're saying, oh, but what if I'm driving along and a drunk crashes into me? Yeah. Now, most people say, well, he, he had no fault. I agree in the legal terms that he had no fault. However, if you were more switched on, if you were more aware, if you were more situationally aware, you would have realized that that car was moving wrong and, you know, maybe you could have avoided it. Is that always the case? No. And I, I speak from personal experience because I very, very nearly, probably within, I would say, less than one-tenth of a second came within being very, very, very dead. Uh, because I was going home at two in the morning in my little red Toyota and a guy in a Range Rover and it was on a blind stop street you know so there was a stop sign but the, the road is, is blind there was a stop sign for oncoming traffic not for me I had right away I had no stop sign no lights nothing I was like on the main road and it was so sudden it was and I've got very good reflexes and at that time you know even better reflexes than than I than I have now I was like 26 I was training every day you know I, I could like whatever catch flies when they were going past you know with the toothpicks <laughs> no not quite but you know good reflexes good situational awareness I was working armed daily so you know I was switched on and all I could I can tell you about that incident is that I heard the crunching and some lights and as my head you know imagine this hit me at speed. A guy with a Range Rover didn't even touch the brake. He just, boom, he was flying and he just impacted the front of the car, the engine block of the car. Now, the, the amount of time it takes for me to go from driving to like your head bumping the side of the, of the stanchion of the, of the thing, in that moment, before I hit my head, I was like, whoa, this is a bad one. What the hell is it? And, you know, I've got a good sense of humor. So yeah, I remember the thought in my head so quickly going, Whoa, I have no idea. This could even be a buffalo with spotlights for all I know. I know it's got lights on it. And I hit the head, and this Range Rover went to take out, you know, the, the whole engine block of my car was sprayed over 30 meters of road. He went across the road, took out the stop sign on the opposite side, and took out the corner of uh, a retaining wall of a house. <laughs> it was, so it's like he was, you know, if I'd been hit one tenth of a second later, he would have hit me in the door. I'd be dead. Did I see it coming? Could I have done anything different? No, nothing. I could have done nothing different. 
Now, the fact that it's always your fault doesn't mean that you have to feel guilt about it. I felt no guilt about that. And it wasn't a good experience. I still have like a click in my neck because of that. And, you know, it was whatever. But the point is, you could look at it as, well, why were you driving home at 2 in the morning? Well, because I had a girlfriend that was across town and I was going back to my place. And Ah, but if you weren't, you know, living in, those, in that condition, in that situation, you maybe wouldn't have been, you know, around at 2 in the morning and that wouldn't have happened. So you could always go back to, it's your fault. You could always find a way that it's your fault. Now, again, that doesn't mean that you live with guilt. As most of you know, I don't look like a guy who carries a lot of guilt, and I don't. Because you have to understand that, yes, it's always your fault, but you've got to move on. Bitch on your own time. When am I going to sit down and really have a good look at all the guilty shit that I'm really guilty for properly? You know, you do throughout your life, of course. There are moments and times when you realize you've done wrong and so on. But that's what purgatory is for, pretty much, you know. And uh, I, I hope I spend as little time in purgatory as possible. But unfortunately, I, I feel it's likely that I uh, probably am going to spend some time there. Right. Uh, Michael Pecker says, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Never apologize. <laughs> Can you forgive me, Grand Inquisitor? <laughs> well, no, because you cardinal sin there. You just you know, weakly said, I'm sorry. No, no, that's not good enough. <laughs> uh, yes, Amanda Joan gets it. She says, Salve, non desistas, non existes. Hello, never give up, never surrender. That's exactly right. Never give up, never surrender. But I would add something to that, which is, you know, never give up, never surrender is a very much a karate, martial art way of thinking, Japanese, you know. I would add and survive. Survive it. Survive whatever's going on. Don't give up, don't surrender, but survive. Very important. Pew and Bear says, Atheans love to mock mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Yes, of course. David Perkins says, what prompted this? Am I missing the context? <laughs> um, no, what prompted it was uh, just conversations that I've been having with uh, with my wife and, you know, the, the kids and stuff. It, that, that's what I was thinking about, like when I was, um, I was busy putting up a couple of posts and, and things today. And I was thinking how to explain that, you know, because for me it's instinctive. I was raised that way and it, it is pretty much that way. And, um, you know, women in general have a tendency to say, oh, but I, I couldn't because, and, um, you know, I couldn't do this because of that. Kids have it. I couldn't do this because of that. And a lot of metrosexuals have it. Oh, I couldn't do this because, and it's always somebody else's fault. No, just get it done. You know, if you know that you have to go from A to B, it doesn't matter what happens in between. You say, oh, but I was stopped by the police. Oh, but uh, my, my car tire blew out. Oh, but I, I didn't have the thing to change the tire when it blew. So what? So what? You had to do this thing by that time. Sort it out. Make sure you do it. Get there. Call a taxi. Get an Uber. Steal a car. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not telling you to go steal cars, right? I'm, I'm just saying, you, you got to, it doesn't matter what happens, you know, because also put it in context, into the larger context of global situation, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? That, 
let's say, you know, it does get really bad. It gets to like civil war status and you have to fight off like guys who are, you know, sending, I don't know, death squads to your house to like forcibly inject you with the not vaccine. What are you going to do? Go like, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to take the vaccine. I mean, you know, there's six of them. So reload. You know what I mean? It's like you're always going to have something that's going to get in your way. That's life. Now, the other side of the coin to that, which is the thing I need to work on personally, I, I don't need to work on, you know, oh, it's my fault. Oh, you know, get on. No, I, I grew up that way. It's like, whatever. Shit happens and it's like, oh, well, but now we, we can't carry on. And I'm like, if somebody's with me, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course we carry on. But but your, your, your tire, you don't have a way to change the tire. Well, there's a rock over there and we can hit the bolts enough. We can change the tire. But, but how do you keep the car up? Well, lift it real hard, put some bricks under it. You know, there's always a way. I'll find a way. So, but the other side of the coin is that you also, it's wrong for you to like live expecting that. So like, okay, I'm going to go there and then something happens. I'm ready to fight it because then you're always in fight mode. You're always in, uh, uh, you're always tense. You're always like stressed out. That's not good either. You know, that's why the, the, the system of philosophy is great, because it's like, well, I'm just going there and I'm going to do this thing and it's going to work out great. Oh, some guy's trying to stab me. Oh, well, let me just move, move back, hit him, take the knife out of, you know, finish, move on, go to the next thing. Oh, uh, well, my car tire blew out. Oh, that's okay. I'll hit your, hit your lift. You know, that's cool. Uh, so you've got to stay positive. You've got to stay relaxed. And at the same time, you've got to deal with whatever comes your way. Um... So again, very, you know, 3D thinking type stuff. So let's see, I'll read a couple of, um, of comments. Hello, Kurgan, LS16, hello. Yeah, that's right. Oh, David Perkins said what prompted this. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, oh, maybe because I said Owen. <laughs> it's just like, you know, people like that just, they just blame everybody else for whatever happens to them. And it's like, dude, you know, just get on with life. Do your thing. Um, you know, and I'm going on. The reason I mentioned Owen is just because a good example. You know, the whole Trinity thing. Oh, oh the Catholics are coming after me. Uh, dude, you've been blaspheming for months and months and months and months. You're a blasphemer. And no, you're not a Christian. And as I did in my, my video, yeah. You're a Noah Hyde Law Talmudic Jew. That's what you're doing. That's what you're promoting. That's everything that you're doing fits with that. As far as I'm concerned, on Benjamin is a Talmudic Pharisee. That's it. That's what he's doing. And, you know, that's fine. That's fine for him to be that. Um, I prefer he wasn't. But, you know, the fact that he's that, it's okay. Just be honest about it, you know. I, I will have more respect for somebody who actually says what he does and does what he says, rather than just changes his tune every five minutes. That, that, hey, typos are my fault. I know keyboard. <laughs> See, Pionberg gets it. Typos are my fault. I know keyboards the way it works. <laughs> and the grammar's fucked up. <laughs> but he's Polish. He can't help that. Ben Boonhelkeren, did you ever have any association with executive outcomes or sandland from your days on the dark continent? Uh, executive outcomes were 
good for what they did. Uh, unfortunately, Simon Mann is not as smart as he thought he was. Um, and so he kind of screwed up with that whole Zimbabwe thing, which, by the way, what happened with executive outcomes was Simon Mann was being funded by uh, Mark Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher's son, to go to, I think it's the... I don't remember the full name. I think it's called the um, Equatorial... I don't want to lie to you now. It's a tiny little African country that I think is called Equatorial something or other. And there's a Equatorial Guinea, which... There are two countries that sound similar. There's one I think is in South America and one is in, in Africa. And it's got like, um, I think, pretty much a dictator or president for life or, you know, African chieftain or whatever. It's got a tiny population and the disparity of wealth there is absurd. You know, it's, it's African. Um, but the place apparently has oil. So what executive outcomes were supposed to go and do with a small mercenary force was go there, do a coup, take out the main whatever, leader of the country, um, take it over, put in their puppet guy, and get a deal on the oil. Now, a lot of people think, well, that, that's just like fucking wrong, and, you know, that, that, that whole plan is evil. But, you know, the, the, as far as my understanding of it, and I didn't look into this very deeply, by the way, the, the leader of that country is a pretty brutal scumbag. You take him out, you put in a puppet guy, and you export the oil or whatever, and you raise the standard of living of everybody. You pass better laws. So is that terrible? Is that so evil? The problem is that Simon Mann filled up his plane with guns and, and mercenary, or rather filled up his plane with mercenary, filled up another plane with guns, and then they met in Zimbabwe to do the pickup, and that's where he got arrested, and then they all ended up in jail. Like, why the hell would you do that? You know, if you're in South Africa, you've got all your mercs from South Africa. Load them up on a plane, get the guns in South Africa, and go direct to where you're going to do the coup. Um, you know, he was obviously shopped out, sold out. I don't know. I don't know the whole story of exactly what happened. But in terms of what they did, you know, while they were oper operating, they, they were like pretty good. I mean, I remember there was like a bunch of farmers that uh, were getting, they did a documentary on this at the time, actually. There was a bunch of farmers that were getting their cattle stolen and rebranded and so on. And it was like, you know, they're on the border with, I can't remember if it was Lesotho or something. And it's like, then they go, they recognize the cow and, and they've, they've got their own marking on it. And the, the, their marking has been changed to somebody else's marking. So it's like, you know, legal things in Africa don't work. It's cross borders, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was just looking at this and I thought, all it takes is two guys. Two guys that patrol that area. And that's exactly what Executive Outcomes did. They, they went to all the farmers and they said, we can stop all your cows from being kidnapped, stolen, whatever. You'll never have a problem with your cows. So about seven of these farmers got together and paid uh, a retainer fee every month, which was, you know, pretty hefty fee. And what did Executive Outcomes do? Did they put up a bunch of fences? No, they put two guys. A sniper and a spotter. Now, I don't know whether they shot anybody. I don't know whether anybody found anybody's anywhere. But what I can tell you is that those seven farmers never had a single cow go missing again. Because, hey, 
if some guy is trespassing from another country into your border to steal your stuff and he just happens to disappear. Or maybe, because we had some personal experience with this, my dad was um, working for a guy that had a farm on a, on a board at one point. And we used to get poachers. We used to, you know, I used to go hunting with my dad and we'd find like snares and stuff. And it's, you know, apart from the, the fact that it's a pretty cruel way of hunting and shitty way of hunting with snares and stuff, we, we're not those, you know, we don't agree with that way of doing things. But it's also on somebody else's land and it's from another country. But uh, so, you know, my dad used to patrol and stuff. And whenever he caught these guys, he used to make them all strip naked and then run across the border naked to the other side. <laughs> you know, within about a month or two of him being the, the manager of this huge tract of land, no more snares, no more poaching on that farm. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and he didn't kill anybody. You know, he just uh, <laughs> sent them back in their birthday suit. It's quite quite a trip in Africa if you're doing that in the bush for a few miles. So, um, you know, I hope that answers your question, Dan. Uh, okay, Amanda Jones says, same with Mike Lowry of... Oh, champions of the... Yes, Mike Lowry is a retard. He's an idiot. He's a Protestant. He's a Gnostic. He has been cursing out all the Catholics on the page, including me. He's an admin, so no one can block the demon. I am pretty sure it counts to be bad. <laughs> Mike Larry is a moron. He's just, um, I, I don't know. You know, I like James. I like James Fox, I guess. But I don't know why he teamed up with that moron for so long. And he has taken down all those streams. So, you know, he's, he's getting to it. He's got some Irish in there. Eventually, we'll get into proper Christianity, i.e. Catholicism. Uh, Gavril says, Aston SG, but maybe you can answer the, that here instead. What are your thoughts on CMRI, heretical or not? As far as I know, CMRI are, are good priests. Um, one of uh, my most loyal henchmen, I believe he attends Mass with a CMRI priest. Um, I know there was some controversy here and there. I, I don't know what it is, but as far as I'm aware, they reject everything connected to Vatican II. Uh, so I don't know if you if you got some further details on that that you want me to answer. I can I can answer based on principle. I can't answer based on personal knowledge because I haven't met these particular priests. Um, Pew and Bear says I don't think you can be brilliant in anything being constantly tensed. It's the same with playing instruments, singing, or martial arts. Yes, exactly. You you can't be good at anything. Uh, if you're constantly tense. I've seen this with people at work. I've seen this in many areas of life. You have to just go with the flow. And now I'm pretty good at that generally. Um, but, you know, as I'm spending a lot more time doing physical stuff and I'm becoming, again, it's it's like when I, when I train regularly, you know, it's like you become aware of your like body, little aches, pains, and like weaknesses or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. I'm losing kind of sensation in my fingertips. Why is that? Oh, because, okay, I'm using my hands a lot. No, it's because there's tension here that is related to that injury. Okay, so that's clicking up my, my neck. Oh, why is that? Okay, I need to do some push-ups. You know, and, and then I start to realize, oh, there's also quite a bit of tension because I'm thinking constantly throughout the day about 
30 different things that are all moving targets that I that I have to like deal with and I was like hmm okay now that I'm and it was a very subconscious level thing so okay realize that now switch change you know I make a list of three things I need to do in a day and that's it I just do those three things if I hit those three things it's a good day that's it and also another thing that helped me is I uh, wrote down just a list um, you know, I'm trying to keep uh, some kind of a diary because there's so much stuff going on that it's like I'm gonna forget. You know, I've, uh, uh, like I said, I need to write my autobiography in, as a trilogy in three parts every 30 years, issue a book. And you know, I'm 51 now, so I kind of missed that first book slot. I've already forgotten half the shit I've done. There. And and I just listed literally bullet point list like the things that we've done since I got here. I filled in three pages, and I'm talking about stuff like you know. <laughs> fix all roof leaks that that's like one item <laughs> you know <laughs> you can appreciate something like that or you know uh, whatever um prune olive trees and we've only done 110 you know but that's one item so each one of these items can take like a week to do or whatever and i filled in three pages of stuff and i had I'd forgotten things like you know we've i've set up the you, you know whatever put the furniture in the room finish a room We've painted the kitchen, almost finished. Um, I've done all the ceiling, all the beams. I need to do like the detailing and I need to do the, the surrounding walls uh, for when the, the kitchen eventually arrives because we're still living, you know, like uh, a little bit of an encampment type setup with a temporary sink and so on. There's so much stuff to do that it, invariably it's going to sit on your head. But it's at the same time, I'm like, and then I'm stressing because I'm not playing enough with my kids. And I'm like, you know, my little boy comes up to me and I'm like, dude, I have to finish this. Or, or the girl, and I, you know, and I'm, you know, the, the, the baby is, she is the awesome, most awesome. She was always happy, always smiling, always enthusiastic about anything. And she's, she's great. If she stays like that, she's probably going to be my favorite child. No, no, I love them all the same. <laughs> no, but you, you know what I mean? Um. Okay, let's see. Oh, somebody says, Gabriel, I bet you get this take from the Demon Brothers. I don't have a take at all, which is why I asked. Yeah. Demon Brothers need to fix their audio before I can bother to figure out what they think. <laughs> David Perkins. Uh, the Demon Brothers have put out, they've got its uh, most holy... Uh, Catholic monastery or most holy family, something like that. I can't remember now. But I reference them quite a lot in my in my book, uh, Reclaiming the Catholic Church. And I quite like. Uh, they do. Uh, they get a lot of things right. Um, there are some bits and pieces that I think, well, okay, like they don't believe in baptism of desire, baptism of blood. But I've written to them on it and they haven't replied. So I think I'm right, and they they dodged answering that one. So. And Douglas Jones says, I attend CMRI as well. And yes, they're proper sedatives. Yeah, I don't, I'm not aware of anything that get, makes me think that the CMRI guys are not proper priests. Um, so, Brad Ball says, my buddy has become a Muslim, but I'm not a knowledgeable Catholic, so I can't convince him otherwise. 
Well, you don't have to be a knowledgeable Catholic to figure out that Islam is satanic. Um, just point out to him that Muhammad uh, married a six-year-old and stuck his 54-year-old dick in uh, a nine-year-old for sure. That's, that's in their books that he did that. Um, my own Muslim friend tells me that there are passages that where it says that the prophet came out with cum stains from, you know, doing little boys and little girls. I don't know. I haven't read that passage in the hadiths or whatever. Uh, read the Quran and uh, you'll see what it tells you about how you should treat anyone who is not a Muslim. You have to pretend to be their friend, but never, ever, ever actually be their friend at all. Um, it's, it's a satanic, it's a satanic religion as far as I'm concerned. Um, and their own stories will tell you that, uh, you know, Muhammad was spoken to by a demon inside a cave. So, well, there you go. Appearing verses, the whole thing is about baptism of desire and blood and the salvation out of the church. Well, but that's true. I did this stream, I think it was... 148 or something it's got the picture of like a devil woman on the front and it says that uh, you're all going to hell that's a very it's actually a very good little video that i did there because it explains exactly yes there is absolutely no salvation outside the catholic church because again imagine you lived around the time of jesus right you believe jesus was the guy you saw him get crucified you saw him get resurrected you saw him ascend you're convinced this is it jesus is the guy what do you call yourself you're not going to call yourself a Baptist. You're not going to call yourself an evangelist. You're not going to call yourself a, you know, Anglican. You're a Christian. And you've got a Pope. You've got bishops, and there's one bishop that's ahead of all the other bishops. That guy's in Rome. His name is Peter. Then he dies, another guy takes over. And let's say that you're really well, well lived guy you live 500 years and what do you see from the time of jesus to the time of the year 500 have you got popes yeah you do do they have primacy over all the other bishops yes they do first among equals well no do you have the mass well yes you do is the mass the same way that it's done now well yes it is is the bible being put together yeah about 200 years ago you're now year 500 200 years ago they put the bible together and that's what you read and what do you call yourself? Well, a Christian. What kind of Christian? Well, Catholic. Why? Because Catholic means universal. We're all the same. There is no other religion. That's it. That is Christianity. Catholicism is Christianity. That's it. So if you're outside of that church, yeah, you don't get saved. Now, if we've got all these other denominations, these fake churches that came up afterwards, and you say, oh, but I'm sa well, saved, always saved. No, you're not. You're a heretic and you're probably going to burn. But the thing is, it is absolutely true that there's no salvation outside the Catholic Church. But, as my priest explained, you have to consider what does it mean to be part of the Catholic Church exactly. It means being a Christian. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that you want to be a Christian. You believe the Catholic Church is telling you the truth and it's mostly, you know, correct. Individuals in the Church can be twisted, corrupt, wrong, evil, whatever. But overall, you are a Christian, and by believing in Jesus and God and, and all the, the precepts of the Catholic Church, you will stand a chance of 
probably going to purgatory and or heaven if you're a really saintly guy. They say, oh, well, well, but, but you have to be baptized. The church says you have to be baptized, otherwise you don't get in. That's not actually correct. The church says that you have to be Catholic, and God has to determine that, not man. There's no man can really determine that. That's why they say the privationists are saying, we are not going to call the heretic popes actually technically heretical. And I disagree with that, because I'm saying, no, they are heretical. They behave like heresy. They have done heresy. Therefore, they are heretical. Now, if in their heart of hearts, they are really deep down believing everything, but the, whatever, they've got a gun to their head and they have to do all this satanic shit, I don't care. You have to treat them as heretics anyways. That is the rule of the church. So I am correct in my behavior towards them. And make no mistake, they said the privationist priests do treat these people as complete heretics. They just won't. The only difference between me and one of our uh, Catholic priests is that they won't actually call Bergoglio a full-on heretic. I do. And I believe he is much worse than that. I also think he's a Satanist and a pedophile protector. Well, I don't think I know. It's it's self-evident. Um, it is a very a form of politeness and dignity and so on. And charity. It is primarily uh, a point of charity. That it is okay for, you know, clerics to have. I'm not a cleric. I'm not of that caste. I am of the physical arm of the church. And that kind of stuff doesn't fly with me. So what they're discussing is, take a guy who really wants to be Catholic, he's seen the light, and he's like, he's on the way to get baptized, and he gets run over by a bus before he gets there. His fault, right? You should have figured that out first. That's parenthesis. But in God's eyes, because God is merciful, he's not going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he did everything right, he lived a good life, yeah, he didn't know anything about Jesus, because, yeah, 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 um, great, excellent, good father, good, oh, but he didn't get baptized in time. No, oh, oops, sorry, going straight to hell. That's not how God operates, right? So it's like, no, he was truly Catholic. He just physically didn't get the chance to get baptized, but his desire was there. His intention was there. He didn't tarry about. He wasn't like, well, I'm going to have a McDonald's burger and while well, I think about it. And he dies before he can get that done. That counts. It is assumed that God is merciful and will take that person into purgatory, heaven, whatever. I hope that explains it. But if you if you want the details on it, go, go and find the video where it's got the picture of this devil woman with like a satanic thing and it says you're all going to hell, something like that. So um, it, it explains... I, explained it before, so that's why I'm leading you to that one. Um, Pirwan Bear says, oh, by the way, you know who else wasn't baptized and is in heaven? The good thief, which by the way, they weren't just thieves, they were rubber brigand murderers. The guy that was crucified next to Jesus, who Jesus said, tonight you will be with me in heaven. He wasn't baptized. And the demon brothers have a special little loophole for saying why that guy is excused. But, you know, to me that's just nonsense. Act 17, apologetics on YouTube. Protestants, but go hard over Muslim stuff. Yeah, okay. Brad Bowles, don't let him get too close if sharp implements are involved. <laughs> so David Perkins advises Brad to not let your friend get too close if there are sharp implements around. 
Um, LS16 says CMRI had bad actors a long while back. They have been purged and dealt with CMRI solid. That's my uh, take on it as well. Brad asks for details. I don't know. Maybe somebody could point Brad to the details of the. I don't know. Yes, they did. I agree. They dealt with it. Another good place to go. Sir Mayor Sirbeck. But Vatican II is not Catholic. No, it's not. It's satanic. Uh, Saramir must be new here. So uh, that's where we... Oh, we got the down vote. 13 up votes, one down vote. Sort of balances out. Uh, so that was my take on, you know, it's all your fault. Try and live with that idea that everything that goes wrong, it's down to you and that, you know, you should have done better. At the same time, don't be a little wuss that like, oh, mea culpa, and, and like totally whips himself all the time and says, oh, you know, and just bows his head. You can be wrong, you can be guilty, you can be a bad dude, and you can still stand up when it's right to stand up and walk with your head up when it's time to walk with your head up. You know, pick your times, bitch on your own time, whine on your own time, self-whip with your cat of nine tails on your own time. Don't make a big drama out of it where you're like slowing everybody else up. There you go. That's my, that's a very good point. Thanks for reminding me because that's actually my, my um, that's the, the name of the saint I took, Adrian of Nicomedia. He wasn't baptized either. He just said, I'm going to be one of these guys. And he was put to death, uh, you know, before it could be, properly baptized or anything, because he was put to death then and then, he was captain of the guard, so that's kind of why I picked that guy as well, because uh, ballsy dude um, yeah, so that, I hope that covers that topic um, is there um, if there's any questions on whatever topic you know, the funny thing is there's been some gammas getting purged from Social Galactic, which is quite quite, quite hilarious, really. And they, they always out themselves in the end. But, um... Hello, Chris! Oh, pardon me. A little bit tired. And it's actually not super, super astonishingly late. So, um... Oh, let me just quick... Equatorial Guinea, there you go, one of my most loyal henchmen. Equatorial Guinea was the place that the executive outcomes was going to do the thing. Oh, and another little interesting tidbit. You know, on the cover of my book, which I think I have here, again, you know, the free plug, plug of my own book for myself, because that's, that's the kind of grifting I'm doing. See this, the Martian lion. It's called the Martian lion because it is the lion of St. Mark. It is the symbol of one of the apostles, Mark, and uh, one of my most loyal henchmen um, mentions that each one of the apostles had uh, an animal sort of, or, or an image representative. So, um, for example, uh, um, John, the apostle John, had the eagle, um, Luke had the ox, and Matthew had man. So, and each relation has a meaning, and there is also, by the way, a meaning in, you know, there are things, that, that's why, oh, this is where the Protestants are going to say, you see, it's all paganism. 
because there were 12 apostles, there are 12 uh, signs of astrology, there are four cardinal signs, there are four apostles, because these things sort of repeat, you know. Um, so, um, and each one also has a, apparently a philosophical meaning. And one of the loyal henchmen here is saying, like, um, each one has a relation and a meaning. Um, I would suggest that, I don't know what the meaning is, technically I haven't looked it up, but uh, St. Mark being the lion is because he was just like, I don't know, if you're a Venetian, you kind of get it. It's kind of like, well, just charge on, you know, take it on full on. Like Mark's uh, gospel is one of the shortest ones, and he just gets on with it sort of thing. Uh, it says the only one he, re he recalls is that John is the eagle because his, golf, his gospel um, is the one that looks the farthest. Uh, it's being the most philosophical. And, um, yeah, so that was an interesting little tidbit. And how do I meet women? I'm 18 and the only seemable options right now is Tinder. Everything is closed in my area. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with online dating, dude. I, I don't know if, you know, you might want to maybe spend a couple of bucks and go on a slightly more detailed, perhaps online dating site um but yeah whatever you know if, if you're gonna use tinder then use tinder that it's a way to meet somebody um you don't decide where you're gonna marry them by you know by swiping left or right or whatever it is uh, and and it is to a certain extent you know that's another topic actually that i discussed with uh, my most loyal henchman we'll call him scout uh, yeah, what I was discussing with Scout was like, look, in the end of it, it's a numbers game. Now, if you're a hedonistic, you know, heathen like I was, it's a numbers game because, well, you meet dozens of women, you bang dozens of women, and you end up staying with the ones that, you know, you get on with the most and bug you the, the, the least and uh, good in bed or whatever, whatever criteria you're looking for, or good mothers, blah, blah, blah. But... Again, without a solid foundation on, on, on reality, on Catholicism, it's eventually going to go bad, pretty much, even if they are good people, and even if you're a good guy, because there is ultimately no foundation. After about 25 years of you know, wearing each other down, you're going to be like, I'm kind of bored of your face, your whole body, and, uh, and what you do with it, you know, sort of thing. Um, in if you are Catholic, if there is a solid foundation under it, there, there are so many more things that you, that you, that add to, you know, fine, she's pretty, she's great in bed, she's a good mom, and she's smart, she's funny, all good, but also she understands how to be a Catholic woman, and, and that stuff melts you, you know, and she understands how to help me be a better Catholic man, Catholic husband, and that is good. And then you see how she is with the kids and, and how she raises them and the things that she does for them, the things that she does for you, makes you want to do more for her and for them and for everybody. Then she begins to, you know, she also respects what you're doing and understands what you're doing, even though you're just maybe working like a donkey and don't really 
you know, you don't make a fuss about it or anything, but she picks up on it and she says, you know, thanks for that. And then you start to pick up on all the things that she does that maybe you don't even notice. And then you say thanks for that. And there's a whole much deeper relationship with that. But it is still a numbers game. And I was saying, you know, he was also asking me directly or indirectly for a bit of advice. And I was like, look, there are essentially two options, you know, either you're 18, you meet a nice girl, you do all the right Catholic things and you lead her to Catholicism or maybe she's already there. If you can find a set of girl in that godforsaken gay land of Canada that you're in, I think, good luck to you. But if that's the case, then great. Stay with her, have kids with her early and you're going to have your whole life together because you haven't tasted from the forbidden fruit everywhere else. And even if you watch porn, I don't know, if you have a good relationship with her, you can, you, you, maybe you watch the porn together and you go, oh, that's disgusting. Or, oh, that's, I want to try that out. You know, that position, I haven't done it before. Whatever, I don't know. That's like your sex life. Don't, don't ask me about the, the correct sexual behavior for a Catholic in his marriage because I'll, you know, I'll probably tell you something wrong. I don't know. But um, well, the alternative is if you were like I was, you've done everything that moves and has two legs and, you know, looks pretty, whether you can communicate with it verbally or not, uh, you know, and then you go full circle because you like go through all these different types of women and the, from the sluttiest to the saintly and blah, blah, blah. And then you're sort of like, okay, none of those things excite me anymore. None of those things are a curiosity for me anymore. I've been through all of it. And if some super hot stripper that says, oh, imagine what, how the 10 different ways I can make you orgasm just using my left earlobe and my toe or whatever. You're like, yeah, got three t-shirts in the cupboard. I'm okay. You know, so you go full circle because then you get back to what matters. And um, so it's just a numbers game, whichever way you're at, you know, it's a numbers game. If you, if you haven't gone through a lot of women, well, maybe try not to, you know, maybe, maybe just find the right one, make sure that she's good and, and that's it. And now people are going to say, oh, but if you do that, you ruin your whole life. You know? Guess what? If you're each other's first, you don't know any better. She doesn't know any better. And if you grow up together from age 18 to age 28, You've gone through so much stuff that you're like, what, I'm going to leave you now? Because what, she's got bigger tits? You're not really going to do that, hopefully. Especially not if you're Catholic, because you're like, yeah, actually, it's all right, you know? I can role play that you got bigger boobs or whatever. I, I don't know, you know? But what I'm saying is like, your relationship is going to be based on hopefully much more fundamentally important things. And you will be aware that you're surrounded by absolute filth everywhere you look. You know, you, you can walk down the road in Italy and, and look at an advert for, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be an advert for children's toys. And you'll have some sexy woman leaning over, playing with the toys of the boy, which is, you can see half of her boobs and she's got her short skirt tied up. And she's the sexy mummy, you know. So there's going to be all these attractions, all these, these temptations, all these things. But if you see it for what they are, you're like, yeah, okay, well, whatever, I don't need that. And if you're raised, and if you raise yourself, and if you put yourself in that thing where you start off with a strong base, you won't necessarily be swayed. 
The problem is for the guy who's halfway. So he's tasted of the forbidden fruits, but not all of them. You know, he's had kiwi, apple, and pear, but he doesn't know what mango tastes like. And mango's kind of sexy, and everybody tells him mango tastes real good. He says, well, you know, I haven't eaten the apple because I know that's bad. I'm not going to go and eat an apple, but a mango. Is it really wrong to eat a mango? And then that, that guy's got a problem. And he's like, but I want to be Catholic. But I haven't tasted a mango. Well, I've got baptized now. There's that mango again, just walking past me. I'm still single. I, you know, I haven't really partook of the mango. And your eye might start to stray. That's the guy that's going to have some problems because he truly does believe in being Catholic, but he gets swayed because he's already corrupt enough to be swayed and not so corrupt that it's like, nah, it's just a mango. I've had mangoes in every orifice of my body, <laughs> together with kiwis and, you know, pears. Uh, and then it's like, you know, uh, You know, I, I met women online quite a lot. I had quite a lot of relationships with girls that I met online. Uh, my, one of the most disastrous ones, I, I met her online. You know, my, my second ex-wife, um, clearly that didn't go well, but, <laughs> but I thought it was the right person, you know. Uh, you, can, you can meet nice people, you can meet, it's, it's like anything. Again, it's a numbers game, and it allows you to quickly sift through for at least the superficial stuff. Now, here's the other thing. Everybody wants the nymphomaniac, supermodel, good Catholic girl that, you know, has never done any of the filthy things with anyone else, but is super willing to do them with you. And who's also a good mom, uh, has got an above average IQ, uh, but not as high as yours, and you're a really smart guy. And, you know, and look, I've pretty much hit that jackpot as far as I'm concerned. And I've been with a lot of very, you know, attractive, intelligent women, whatever. But the thing is, if you, if that's your focus, that wasn't particularly my focus. That's just what I was attracted to. And that's what I went towards, you know, but it wasn't like she has to have these tick boxes. You know, it's like. I don't know, if, if you like stracciatella ice cream, well, you're going to eat a lot of stracciatella ice cream. And you don't like lemon ice cream, you, well, you're not going to eat any lemon ice cream. You know, and that's kind of how, my, how it kind of was for me. The physical appearance aspect, etc., was was important to me. I know that as you get older and whatever, everybody, you know, becomes decrepit slowly. And so it was never... Uh, fundamental, but it, it had to be there at least for me to be in originally interested. And there has to be a certain level of beauty. Beauty is a thing that you know I, I appreciate, and I don't want to live with somebody that I find unattractive, no matter how good their personality is. You know, and that was one of my one of my online profiles actually said that it said, oh, and by the way, no matter how sparkly your personality is. If you look like um, Mother Teresa, especially Mother Teresa now, you know, she's been dead a few years, I don't care. Don't, don't get in touch with me. You know, you, you have to have, so, you know, it's brutal in my approach as always. But so you have to 
That's a hard, you're at war. You're in a field of war. You've got to be smart. Fight smart is best advice I can give you. I've done videos on finding a good wife and all that, so look for them. I think 26 or 36, I can't remember. So uh, I hope that helps your, your question a bit. Um, Amanda Jones says, I don't think I've ever witnessed a flame war, but watching the Kurgan for some time now has prepared me. I like to be in a Christian online community, especially now during this pandemic. Uh, well, you know, I think, I can't remember if you are in the Kurgan Telegram group, um, but yeah, if you want to get in there, get in there. I think you're on Social Galactic, so you probably are, I can't remember. Chris Javier says, also, did you hear Bill Gates divorced his husband? Yeah, I did. Melido, they call him. <laughs> That's funny, because I think in Spanish that might actually mean something as well. Angel Martin says, look for daddy's goals. The only few females I've ever been close with were daddy's goals, and as a result, they didn't hate and mistreat me. That's a very good advice. Very good advice, actually. Angel Martin, Chris... Uh, Chris Javier, Angel has just given you the best advice. That's right. Look for girls that love their dad and have a good relationship with their dad. Because I uh, tended to go the other way, but then, you know, you don't all have to be crusaders that go through the pilgrimage in, to fucking Jerusalem on their own, slashing heretics all the way there and back. That's kind of been my journey. It doesn't have to be your journey. You know, be smart. Um, and also, I, I don't advise you to do, do things the way I did them. It's not a good way. It's not, it's not a smart way. Worked out great for me, um, and I don't regret most of it. Um, but there's a lot of heartache, a lot of pain involved, a lot of, uh, you get a lot of cuts. You know, it's like, oh, but look at you now. You've got a nice uh, Templar uniform on, you you not know use it a sword, you've got a nice armor, you're like one of the Templars, oh, you know, how great, and yeah, but, you know, what they don't show you is like the guy was a mercenary for 35 years before that, he's covered in scars all over, he can barely put his armor on because his one leg is gimp, you know, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I got here, I'm, I'm cool. You don't necessarily want to go through all that stuff to get there, and you don't have to get there, you don't have to be there. Uh, there's, there's, you know, other Templars that got their different ways, and there's, uh, there's people that don't need to be Templars at all. So, you know, sort of, you have to, again, the key things are know yourself, and then Angel's advice is great advice. Amanda says, I have an online relationship for six years. We will marry now. There you, there you go. See, it, it works. Um, Angel says, my father got custody of me. It's amazing because even when I was kind of libtarded, I was always anti-feminist and always thought highly of men. Well, your father's a lucky dude. Um, that's good. David Perkins says, Chris Javier, I can guarantee you I have very, every chance online, women aren't attracted to profile pics or bios, so it's inherently rigged against you. I can guarantee you have very something chance online. Women aren't 
attracted the profile picks for BIOS, so it's inherently rigged against you, even if everything is closed, you can still meet people in real life. I'm not sure if David meant to say, I can guarantee you have very little chance or every chance, I'm not sure. But um, the online app stuff, it's fine. If you're gonna use that to select the people that you wanna meet in real life, that there's nothing wrong with that. I don't see a problem with it. An angel says, I only recently identified that as the key thing my few female friends had in common when I was wondering why they never tuned into those predator, why they never turned into those predatory abusive women, even though liberal. Yeah. You see, women are essentially shaped by the men in their life. That, that is the natural order of things. So if they've got a dad that they love and they respect, then they're going to be good. Um, you know, I'm amazed by my daughter because of who she's lived with. Um, and the fact that, you know, she clearly <laughs> loves me very much. And um, that saying something, you know. And uh, Pew and Bear says, congratulations to Amanda. I don't know many couples that I've met online. <laughs> Pew and Bear says, boobs grow, have children. It's true. <laughs> Chris Javier says, damn, I really want to move to Italy now. Well, there is a little curg in it, so um, save your money. I'm going to write a blog post about that. So very briefly, in order to move to Italy, you basically need to have about 10 grand. You need about six, seven in your bank account just to show that you can live. Um, and I would suggest you need about three grand or so to pay for like accommodation for like a year in advance. Um, and if you're a young single guy, you can easily, uh, you know, live on seven grand for a year or whatever. And you have to make your visa application. It is great if you already have a job lined up. Um, and we are in our little community, we're trying to do what we can to help people to do that when, you know, when they're serious. Um, there are people that want to move here that are of all different ages. Um, some guys just want to move here and like, well, I have an online business or I'm going to be a day trader or I'm self-employed or I am a plumber. You know, there's, there's all sorts of different ways of doing it. But essentially, you need 10 grand. You need to do the paperwork. You need to get a fiscal code and you need to be prepared to live with the unknown of Italian bureaucracy. It doesn't matter if you're Italian. It doesn't matter who you are. Italian bureaucracy is a mystery to all. And it's a pain in the ass and it's always going to make you worry and stress. But there usually is always a way around it. You might have to jump 50 different hoops. But remember, paperwork is the devil's thing. You know, it is a real cool country. That's why there's so much attention from it by obviously the devil that creates the bureaucracy. You just got to fight your way through it. But, you know, if you're a young guy, you're 18, whatever, work your ass off, save every penny, borrow, beg and steal from your family if you need to. And if you want to move to Italy, get in touch. Um, be serious about your Catholicism, because if you're going to be part of the Kurganate, you have to be a proper Catholic, a proper set of Acantists. Um, there will be an inquisition, you know, so that we can dig out the fakes, the morascos and the moriscos. 
you know, pretenders. Um, a proper set of accountants means, you know, proper, you, you understand what it being a set of accountants is. If you don't know what that is, you're not going to be able to fake it. Uh, so, and you've got to be willing to work your ass off because that's what we're all doing here. Um, you know, there's none of this, oh, I don't have any calluses on my hands because I'm, I work smart. No, I got cuts and bruises daily. Um, I'm actually surprised I haven't lost a piece of limb already because I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, if you're going to martial arts all your life, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have pretty bad injuries. There's a chance you get crippled or dead or whatever. Um, you will have injuries if you do martial arts for years and years. Uh, being a farmer, there's a good chance you're going to lose some bits of limb, an eye, die, get rolled over by a tractor, because there are so many implements and it, there are so many you know, farming tools. There are so many ways that things can go wrong. <laughs> that, like I said, good thing I still am in good shape and I've got good reflexes because um, I tend to be somewhat contemptuous of all the health and safety things, but you know, as I carry on doing this stuff, I'm becoming less contemptuous of it because unlike, you know, the building industry in, in Europe now, which is like become ridiculous. But um, if you're cutting pieces of metal with like a little handheld jobby that doesn't switch off, if it falls out of your hand and um, you, or if you don't hold it properly, which again, you know, I've never dropped it, but my neighbor, he's got a scar all down his arm because that's exactly what happened. Like, was on a ladder or some shit, and it fell, it flew up, and it, when it came down, it was still going, and it, like, cut his arm completely open. You know, accidents happen. Um, so I wear my, you know, when I'm doing stuff, let's say most of the times, I wear the goggles, you know, which is stupid not to. You know, it's for the sake of 30 seconds putting some goggles on, because that shit will fling little bits of metal, stone, or whatever, straighten your eyeball. Why risk that, you know? But you have to think ahead all the time. And you know, pick up your tools. You, you forget your tool lying around. And uh, my most oil henchman is, if he's watching, you know who you are. Pick up your tools. Don't leave shit lying around. Because if you don't step on it, one of the kids might. Somebody else might. You might forget, trip over it. You might lose it. You might rust. You might get damaged. So... Yeah, you, you got a situational awareness, being a farmer, martial artist, and a soldier, I reckon, you know, those are probably the three deadliest things. So. And Angel says, God wouldn't have told us to marry for life before sex if it can't work. I agree. Um, there are some slightly technical points there of, of contention about that. I don't know that it actually says that you cannot have sex at all before marriage. It, it, it gets pretty detailed, but I don't want to be a nitpicking Protestant about it or whatever. Um, generally speaking, it is accepted if a man has sex with a woman, then that becomes his wife. And I agree with that principle of things. Um, and in fact, if I look back at my life, the, the first woman that I really had a proper relationship with I was with her for a very long time and it's just over time that I realized what I was looking for and what she was were two different things and she realized the same thing you know but um, again that was due to sort of inexperience um, rather than 
bad blood or bad ideas on anybody's side. <laughs> and Amanda Jones says, thank you. I like the joke that us both would be patron saints of long distance relationships. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't know if you've been together for six years uh, without actually physically being together. That That's a bit weird. Uh, I don't know. I would... Uh, I would hope that you've spent some time living together or, or being together or at least in the same town or city or whatever, like, you know. Michael Pecker says, I won't eat the apple. I will juice it and drink it. You see? You see, Michael Pecker? That's, that's what I mean. You get the temptation. Chris Gavier says, I'm in the mango situation. Well... That's a tough place to be, especially at age 18 when, you know, your brain up here is only this big and your brain down there is about the same size. So it's a tough one. Um, I would suggest that you, uh, if you haven't yet, read The Crusades of Iron Men and Saints, read The Great Siege, 1565. Um, read my books on, on Catholicism and see if that inspires you, if that aspect of being like a crusading Catholic gives you something more important to focus your attention on than a pretty girl with a really short skirt and a slutty attitude. That would be my best suggestion. Human Bear says, Chris Javier, don't walk around playgrounds creeping. That might be misunderstood. And Italians are really protective over children. <laughs> Why would he go around playgrounds? <laughs> no. <laughs> and Chris responds that that wasn't really part of my plans, but uh, thanks for the advice. <laughs> Yeah, Michael says, don't creep around playgrounds, period. Yeah, I started to wonder about you, Payman Bear. How, how did you get your wife? I mean, we're not Muslims. We're not looking for six-year-old wives, right? Gabrielle says, just remember, if you keep meeting the wrong girl, it's all your fault, always. Exactly right. Exactly right. And actually, I'm going to use that as a teaching moment. Because I definitely... Uh, you know, I remember this this woman once sent us like 50 questions that I want to ask men and I replied to all of them and one of them was like Why are you so attracted to you know dramatic women and like my? Uh, facetious response was like they scream louder when we fuck them But the reality is that you know, I I did have relationships with very beautiful women unfortunately most beautiful women have had a lot of guys attention from men and probably the wrong kind of attention. A lot of them had daddy issues. And I kept ending up with these really like pretty women that were probably sexually quite experienced in most cases or at least willing to learn. And but mentally they were kind of a mess. And uh, you know, I, I will give Owen the, uh, the credit for the, the joke that he says, you know, I'd be this chick and then she's crazy and I'd be like, no. No, no, I can't be with this girl. Then I meet another one. It's like, oh, she's cool. No, she's crazy too. And then 
I'd break up with her. And then the next time I'd be like, what are the chances? They're only meeting crazy girls. And he was like, well, if you're going to break up with somebody because they're crazy as a woman, you know, I've got news for you. That's like moving apartment because it's got gravity. And it's kind of true. And that was kind of how it was in. But then I started to see a pattern because I, I went through a period where I went through a lot of women really fast. And it was like, as soon as they did something that just, I didn't like, I was like, okay, bang, next, 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 next. And I went through enough type of women. And then I'd get sick of women altogether. And I'd just be like by myself for like, you know, a long period of time. So I think sometimes it would even go to two weeks. Um, which, you know, I think the longest time without, you know, sex with some woman was about six weeks. You know, that, that is a very long time. you got to keep in mind that, you know, talking about dog years here. So, you know, six weeks in dog time, that's you have to multiply by seven. You know, you're talking about half a year. That's, that's like six months. Yeah. So, you know, I, but the thing is, like, I go through these cycles where I've seen three, four, five different women at a time. And I'm like, oh, I'll get rid of all of them. And then I'd start again. And but in each cycle, there was like a, an improvement. And I remember the exact moment when it hit me that it was like what I was doing wrong. And it was like I, I was <laughs> actually this lady, shall we say, that I picked up that we got together. And um, she'd come home with me. And we were both pretty, shall we say, experienced at the sexual stuff. So we were actually on the opposite side of the bed and we started undressing because we were going to go to bed. And I think this might have been the first time that we went to bed. I can't remember. I think it was the first time. So she wasn't, so that that's how jaded it was. We weren't even like kissing and, and undressing each other. It was sort of like, okay, we're going to do this, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's kind of brutal, you know. And, and I remember as she was undressing, I looked at her and I thought, wow, she's really hot. And and I kind of felt myself, and I thought, no, 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 stop, don't go over that edge. Doesn't matter, she's really pretty, that's fine. Do what you're gonna do, enjoy, have fun. But don't immediately assume that, you, you know, don't get attached, don't get like, and sure enough, I kept sort of my distance, not physically, unfortunately, or fortunately, or whatever, but, and very quickly I realized, no, 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 this, this woman's a mess, you know, she's, she's no good for her relationship. And, um, and from that moment, it was like, okay, now I've started to understand I'm picking the wrong girls. Why is that? What am I seeing here? And then I started to realize that pattern. And then when I came across somebody that like didn't fit that pattern, I was like, oh, she must be the one. And she wasn't. And that taught me something again. So you see, if you go through things as a hidden, you've got to hit every wall. Every wall bashes you in the face. You've got to get every punch. And then after you've been punched from every direction, you're like, all oh, right, I recognize all the punch now and I can find out. But even then, you know, even my actual current wife, I mean, if you look at her history, she would be like somebody that you would advise people to stay completely away from. Um, but the thing is, because of who I am, because of how I am, and because of who she is and how she is, we kind of work because it's like we've both been through the wars and so we get it, you know. If you've ever seen the film Sexy Beast, it's kind of a little bit 
that sort of, you know, I mean, my wife was never a, a porn actress or anything like that, you know, but uh, um, the in Sexy Beast, the main guy was a criminal and the woman is uh, was an ex-porn star or something, but they really love each other. You know, it's really quite a sweet thing. Um, actually, another film with Mel Gibson in it, that's a bit more, that's a bit more um, closer to home. Again, I think the woman in that one also was a, a prostitute, which again, not, never been my wife's case. She's never been that, that type. That's never been one of her sins, let's say. But um, but there's a line at the end that sort of encapsulates the sensation where he's like, well, I don't know. It's, it's all totally screwed up situation, you know. But he's, and, and his last sentence as they go off together is like, well, maybe if I can learn to stop killing people and she can stop hooking, this might work out, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, it, 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 it sort of fits because of the, the level of jaded life that we've both had for, you know, hers wasn't necessarily like a, a sexual thing, it was other things, you know, her, her, her family situation, friends, the, the people that she, you know, had around or that, that sort of stuff. And I don't, I don't want to say too much. It's her story, not mine, whatever. But we've both been through a, a lot, enough, and also a bunch of people. And you kind of get it. You know, that's, yeah. She can put up with my crazy bit and I can put up with her crazy bit. Um... Amanda Jones says, that is an interesting take on the mango. David Perkins says, okay, avoid the fruit casserole at the whole Inquisitor's house. <laughs> Even the Kiwis have been molested. <laughs> Very good. Dude, if, if you see what my kids do to fruit, you, I don't think you'll even step into the house because they just go around and grab one bite. My little Viking prince, he's definitely a prince, because strawberries, he just eats the tip. Only the tip is good enough for him. Just eats the tip. And then, you know, as you get a little bit further into the strawberry, it gets a bit harder. He's like, discards it, you know, like, Bleh. and guess what I found out today? He does the same thing with watermelon. You know, you cut the wedge of watermelon, you give him a little piece of watermelon. He's like, oh yeah, I like that. Dad. Takes two bites from the tip. Then like, nah, give me another one. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> clearly a blue blood. <laughs> Oh, Michael Pecker says, don't creep around playgrounds, period. And Piumber says, I have to. It's my job. <laughs> LOL. Okay, now I'm really worried. Unless you're a security guard for, like, playgrounds, you're starting to get a bad vibe off you. Angel says that she met her husband when she was still an atheist, and he was the best I ever had. But what amazes me is that it can actually get even better after years of marriage and children. Exactly right exactly right but that is the natural progression of a relationship all the crappy shit should happen at first because you're still getting to know each other all the bad bits the longer you stay together the better deeper and more cool it, it should get that that's how it works and she says that she wishes people had a more optimistic view of monogamy happier than i knew i could be yeah exactly my my uh wife you know, even before I got with her, and I met, and I knew, you know, we're kind of heading that way. Um, or even when we started going out, and it's like, 
I had these ideas about, oh, I want, I hope it would be at least this cool. And it's actually a lot better than that. You know, it's cooler than what I could imagine. It's nicer than what I could imagine. It's better than what I could imagine. That's not to say that there aren't, you know, days or times when we argue or we have a bad day or whatever. Of course there are, because we're human. But overall, and over time, we can both see, oh, it's getting better. Oh, that's nicer. Oh, this is cooler. Oh, we're getting closer here. And, you know, and, and uh, I mean, the three kids, new country, she doesn't speak the language. It's, it's all very tough, you know, for, for both of us, but more so for her. And she's just soldiering through it and not just do that, but like, she's a great mom. She's, she really is. And she had no, no one ever help teach her any of that really she's uh, she's learning by herself she goes along and you know so it's awesome and douglas says i thought i could never care for someone more than my wife then my first son was born and it changed everything i cannot imagine the selfishness of a father that leaves his children yeah that is yeah exactly right you know that that is the order that's what I said on one of the other streams. Like, that's why Bohemond is one of my favorite guys. Because like when the Muslims put the, his own father at the bottom of the of the castle walls of Antioch's walls, and they said, "Oh, if you don't let us in, we're going to kill your father." And he just looked down and said, "My father's lived long enough," and walked away. And the Muslims are so shocked they didn't even kill his dad; they just let him go. <laughs> you know, and that's what I. If if that situation ever happens, I pray to God that that's exactly the response my my own son would give. My father's lived long enough turn around and walk off that'll be like yes that's my boy <laughs> you know and um, yeah you can't really appreciate I mean you know like again with my, my wife it's like it's obvious that if there was ever the horrific choice of like oh who to save you save the kids that's just we both know that you know Xavier says, the first girl I dated had problems with her father. She recently sent my school an email saying I'm racist and homophobic. That's a tough one, dude. That is a tough one. Because that's what those crazy bitches do. And, you know, you think that's a bad one? Smile and enjoy. Because imagine if you'd had kids with her. And then she says that you are you know, sexually abusing your child or some evil fucking shit like that. Because women, they will do every fucking nasty thing under the sun. They, you know, it is uh, the men that are the romantic sex. Females are worldly creatures. <laughs> so, I think uh, that, you know, the best way is read... Um, SJWs will always lie for how to fight back with that. And if she sent that email to who in your school, to everybody in your school, to your teachers or whatever, I would, um, you know, respond to that. But you check with your parents or lawyers or somebody you trust or even a teacher that you trust. And, you know, just say it out. It's like, um, fight back. I, I'm not going to advise you on what to tell you. And I don't know why she did that. But I'm just giving a hypothetical, an example, right? So she says, oh, he's racist and homophobic. And maybe she said that because you didn't want to be with her any longer or because, you know, you didn't want to do anal. I'm just saying, 
I don't know what it was. But if it was me in that situation, I'd definitely fight back. I'm like, well, she's saying that just because I didn't want to be the third guy in the train that she was pulling or whatever the situation was, you know. Again, just hypotheticals. But you get where I'm, I'm going, right? Like, fight back. Don't. I don't know what the laws in Canada are or whatever. But, you know, you, you can always, and I don't know what the implications are for you in the school, so I'm not giving you any advice here. You've you got to figure that one out. I, I can't give you advice on the topic because I don't know. But um, it is, she's obviously trying to humiliate you, and the way to fight back is humiliate her right the fuck back. You know, stand your ground. Um, you know, I don't know why she comes up with the idea that you're racist and homophobic. Is it because, you know, you you, you didn't want to get banged by her black friend who's gay? I, I don't know. You know, I'm just saying. You didn't want to be part of a homosexual menage a trois with her, like filming, you know, that she came up with. I, I don't know what the idea is. But fight back would be my advice. Whichever way you can, that is good for you. Ultimately, you want to be able to stand your ground on on things that are you 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 know they're real they're true your catholicism your reality your the truth so an angel agrees that uh, very much so and females will follow no matter what now they're following everything except strong godly husbands i don't think that that's necessarily true um because if you become a strong godly husband after you've been married with somebody that's that's a different situation but if you start off being now nah, i'm a crusader whatever let's say chris let's take chris right let's make an example a hypothetical chris i'm not saying this is his situation i don't know his situation i don't know his life i don't know what it is he's 18 and he's like yeah i don't agree with homosexuality i don't want any of that shit near me or my kids i think they're dangerous for children um I like sticking around with people of my own ethnicity because I get along with them better. I want nothing personally against that specific individual or that specific individual, but I don't want to go live with Eskimos or Pygmies or Saudi Arabians or Chinese for that matter. I like living with people that are similar to me. I've got my same cultural values, my same upbringing and so on and so forth. Nothing wrong with that. And if that if you're going to call me, you know, a racist homophobe because of that, well, then I'm going to call you a fucking retard um, and a cuck, you know, and a child molesting cuck. If that's what, you know, if, if you think that it's okay to have sex with a nine-year-old, well, as far as I'm concerned, you're a pedophile. So, you know, fight back. And if you're standing your ground on things that you truly believe, they might set you on fire. They might ruin your fucking life to a certain extent or other, but you're not going to regret it because you're like, no, that is who I am. So don't, don't, you know, I, I would suggest you, you fight back. And also, if you start off that way, so you're now 18, you're going through this shit, you've survived this shit one way or another. You're now 26, you know, seven years past, and maybe you've moved to Italy, maybe you haven't, maybe you're still where you're whatever. The women that you meet, you know, you're on the first date, and they're going to be like, oh, well, like, so what are you doing? And your first question is going to be like, um, what's your take on feminism? And they're like, well, you know, women get paid less. You're like, thanks. Pay for your own coffee. We're done. And you're not going to waste any time. 
And when a woman goes, no, but what, what do you mean? I, don't women get paid less? I, wait, why are you leaving? They're like, no, that's nonsense. Haven't you looked at the maths? Haven't you like done this? And, and if she's like, no, well, I, I don't know. I'm like, what? You think men and women are equal? Uh, well, I think they should be equal under the law. At which point you can, you know, ask, but really, do you believe that? It's a very interesting take. It sounds like you want to have justice. But if men and women are not equal, do you really want them to be held to the same standards? Because there's a reason that women don't get 20 years in jail when they murder somebody, but men do. So which is it? Do you want to be treated equal? I don't think so. Because, you know, if a guy speaks to me a certain way, he's going to get a broken nose. If a woman speaks to me the same way, I don't want to punch her in the nose. But I would if it was a man. Do you really want to be treated equal? I don't think so. Do you want to go work in minefields and oil fields? And don't think so. You know, and then if she's receptive to that, it's an easy sift, right? It's an easy sift. You can figure out who you want to actually hang out with, whose ability to change. Now, they've all been brainwashed, so you're not going to pick one up that says, oh, yep, stay at home, mom, that's me, I want to do that, pop out five kids, and let my husband lead me. Look, miracles happen. Maybe you meet one like that, I don't know. But what I'm saying, generally, that's not going to be the way it happens. So, prepare. Yeah. Douglas says that his wife and my wife and I married pretty young and we have fought through so much already. It's worth it. Exactly. Amateur, I did not marry a man who had divorced parents either. Yeah. Well, you see, I got all of that shit in my background too. So, Patricia Vieira says, well, I'm in Canada, so people could see it as a bad thing and have ended up in jail for it oh yeah fuck get the fuck out of canada is my first suggestion yeah alicia says absolutely i'm not sure michael pecker says how much easier is moving to italy if you already have a european citizenship i don't think it's particularly easier or more difficult um I don't know, look it up, but I'm, I don't think it makes uh, a difference. We have been together for some time, three times. I will go back to Europe now again. Okay. Alicia says, that's weird because my husband tells me to stop screaming because it doesn't do anything for him. <laughs> Oh, Alicia, you got married? That's good news. Um, is it the same Alicia? I don't know. Well, you know, maybe you scream too loud right next to his ear. I don't know. It's uh, turning to. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to suggest maybe he holds your mouth shut just to make it a bit more fun. <laughs> I don't know. It's up to you guys what you do in the bedroom. Joy Boomer says, yep, I did it. Uh, okay, I'm not sure what that refers to. 
And Amanda says that her fiance, my fiance and I went through the wars too. We became stronger and we have a high standard of what is right and wrong. Honesty helped us heal and love each other more. We live in 2021, crazy world. That's right. Alice 16 says, some can learn by ear. Others must pee on the electric fence to find out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hello, Ben. Pewan says, I am a dad. Technically not around playgrounds, but directly on. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, I get it. That makes sense, finally. Nick Smith, anyone watch Jesse Lee Peterson? Women have no love. They get it from men who get it from God. I see it every day. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, Jesse Lee Peterson is, of course, a heretic. He is not a Catholic, so, although I quite like him. He's got some things wrong. Bohemond's stories always gets me. He's awesome. Bohemond was a cool dude. He's also the only guy who didn't give exactly his word to the Emperor of the East because he knew that he was going to get betrayed because he'd known about him from before. And then, like, as soon as the Emperor betrayed him, he said, oh, all right, is that are you going to do? I'm just going to take Anchuk for myself. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and the way he did it is just, his whole story is brilliant. Plus, he was a huge guy. And there's a description, I think, by the daughter of the emperor, which you can tell she probably had a little, mm, who says, this guy is, is massive, he's huge, he's good looking, um, blonde, I think he was. And, um, and he's got an intelligence, an aquiline intelligence that is like a predator smiling, just waiting for us. You know, he just sounds like a cool guy. Payback, the movie with Mel Gibson. That's right. Thank you, Alicia. You got it. Nick Smith says, can you imagine World War One if it was all chicks? Yeah, it wouldn't have happened. You know. But, uh, okay, I've been going an hour and a half, which is longer than I wanted to go. And I actually want to try and get to bed at a half-decent time. Maybe watch something with my wife. So, thank you all for being here. I hope it was of some use, and as usual, I went about an hour longer than I wanted to go, but there you go, I enjoy communing with you guys, so, um, <laughs> Douglas Jones says, according to EA, I don't know who EA, it might be a games company, it was all blacks and women, <laughs> World War One. <I. laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, have a good night, and um, Chris, if, if you can't get out of Canada, maybe seriously consider getting out of Canada. It is the gayest country on earth, so good luck to you all, and uh, have a good evening, have a good week. I, uh, I will uh, let you see you guys uh, soon. I'm, I'm going to try and do more streams a bit more regularly if I can. Good night all.